My name is Melissa Gearing and I am the Naked Naturopath. Thanks for listening in. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. I wanted to talk to you today about soy. I have been asked a very simple question of should I eat soy? And even though it's a really simple question, I think it's quite uh, has a quite a complicated answer. So I want to try and give you guys a rundown on soy, what I think, what I have learnt, and um, give you some guidelines on uh, how to look for soy and read labels in your products and um, in the supermarket. And then you guys can make an informed decision on whether you want to consume soy in your daily lives, if you will give it to your children, if you will have it in your house, if you will have it sometimes or all the time, and then you can take charge of your own health. Because I think that making up your own mind on these um, matters is what is most important. So the the thing that I did with soy when I started to try and explain what I had learnt for people was to break it into three groups. This just makes it a hell of a lot easier to understand. The The first so number one, we will call it, is what I think people think soy is and what people think they're consuming in terms of what is considered normal soy. Um, I don't know that this exists anymore in everyday life, but we'll come to it. So that's soy number one. Soy number two is your GMO soy. This is your genetically modified soy. This is the kind of soy that... Um, this is the soy that all of us are probably eating uh, today. And then you've got your fermented soy. And fermented soy is a whole other world and it's a, a beautiful product. And this is the soy that I will encourage you to eat and that I think is really safe and the way that we should be eating soy. The fact that it has been fermented can tie in really well with the, the wheat story, the idea of wheat. I think that soy is really safe and beautiful when it's fermented, and I'll talk more about that, but uh, this goes for wheat as well. So what I'm going to do is put a little link, because this talk will tie in a lot with a documentary that's just been released by Cindy O'Meara, and it's called What's With Wheat? I think that in this documentary she talks about the idea that wheat was really safe when we used to make sourdough. So we used to ferment a culture and create a sourdough with it. This was a really beautiful way to eat wheat because it got rid of all the anti-nutrients and um, you know, denatured all of the, the nasty proteins and stuff like that that people have a lot of issues with today. So this is the same thing for soy. But let's begin with some background um, on soy itself. I think that many, many people believe that soy is good for them. It's gained a bit of a health food status. In 2007, 85% of consumers believe that soy products were healthy. And, you know, if you think about soy, um, it kind of came out of nowhere as a miracle food. And this was no accident. This was, you know, done on purpose in terms of marketing, um, some shrewd marketing, some really good marketing. This growth was no accident. This growth was due to massive investment in advertising by the soy industry and it's been wildly successful. Soy is huge business, it's big business. From 2000 to 2007, so over the next seven years, they released 2,700 new soy-based products onto the market and these things continue to appear here in Australia as well. Have you ever been to that section in the supermarket that has all the soy things, like the no meat things? And you know what, this is nothing against vegetarians or vegans because the healthy vegetarians and vegans that I know don't go anywhere near this section. So they know that this is not a good um, replacement for meat if they choose not to eat meat. So these foods uh, have been created and a lot of them are full of all the stuff I talked about in my last podcast. So those synthetic nutrients, the fortification, the additives, the flavorings, all of that stuff, because they want the soy to taste good. So we need to be really careful of them. So the perception of soy as a health food really um, came about 
in the wake of the no fat movement. And if you want to look more into this, you can watch my sugar talk, which you can get off my website. Or like I said, follow the link below and you can watch Cindy O'Meara's documentary because she will introduce you to Dr. Keys. And this is a really important history to know of why we've headed this way with food and how we've got to this point. Um, so the perception of soy as low fat played a big part in its um, success, if you like, and coconut oil and butter and all those things were really villainized as being bad for us and causing heart disease and high cholesterol. So 84% of people agree with the FDA's claim that consuming 25 grams of soy protein daily will re reduce their risk of heart disease. This is huge. 70% of consumers believe soybean oil is good for them. Now, I'll always ask you guys to look at a product as if it was its original food. So when I, when I ask you to look at soybean oil, I would say, look at a picture of a soybean. It's a little dried up, you know, <laughs> uh, bean, literally. It's a legume. Um, legumes don't have a lot of oil. So the fact that we're getting soybean oil out of it, we would ask why. It's like rice bran oil. We need to think about the fact that it's not only is it rice, but it's rice bran, so quite a dry part of that um, you know, plant, and we're getting oil out of it. So this requires a lot of processing. I'll leave that with you for now. Dr. McCola, he is this really cool guy. He does a lot of work on the internet, interviews a lot of people. He's really fighting the good food fight. He states that people thinking soy is healthy is a tragic case of shrewd marketing and outright lies taking root among the masses with the end result of producing large profits for the soybean industry and impaired health for the rest of us. And he makes it very clear that this is for those who have been deceived into using unfermented soy long-term. And I'm going to draw onto that more because you know that I already, you know that I favour the fermented soy. So the first type of soy that I talked about, um, you know, normal Western soy, I'm not really sure this exists anymore. There's a really cool documentary that you can watch on soy. Um, the name escapes me right now, but I'm sure if you Google it, it'll come up and about how our soybean industry became GMO, pretty much, you know, like so how normal soy was really pushed out and the GMO is obviously patented, which is something that I'll touch on with herbs throughout my podcast I'm sure the idea that we can own a herb or a food this is um why GMO is uh dangerous and and yeah I'll leave that there for now because it's a, it's a huge concept but the idea that all the soy we eat is GMO is probably what we need to be thinking now I don't think that normal soy exists anymore not that we want to be eating it anyway so then you have GMO soy, and this is the soy that is, most of us are eating. And do you know what, guys? I don't care if it's organic, it's still GMO. And the idea that soy is organic doesn't make a difference to the fact that it's unfermented. So don't get caught up in organic soy being good for you. Unlike Asian culture, so the history is that we, you know, we fermented these soybeans and we would eat very small amounts of beautiful soybean products such as, um, you know, uh, soy fermented soy sauce or um, miso paste or um, 
just I think natto or tempeh, these beautiful foods. We'd eat small amounts of them with all of our veggies and everything else. Um, what we've done with the soybean is really break it into two extremely profitable commodities, the protein and the oil. But there's nothing natural or safe about these products, especially when they're isolated this way. So look up Dr. Kayla Daniel. She is the author of The Whole Soy Story. She points out thousands of studies linking soy to malnutrition, digestive distress, immune system breakdown, thyroid dysfunction, cognitive decline, reproductive disorders, and infertility, as well as cancer, heart disease, and a bunch of other stuff. And this book's a bit of a hard read, um, and it's quite dogmatic in its view, and you know... For me, anything that's dogmatic pushes you over an edge where you tend to not be able to see a middle ground anymore. However, it's worth a look at. So we know that over 90% of soy grown in the US is GM. This is done to impart resistance to Roundup. So Roundup is a glycoside, uh, glyphosate sorry, containing um, pesticide herbicide and we use it on all of our children's sports grounds and... Um, you know, to keep weeds away and it's really, really toxic. So while it's meant to increase farming efficiency, it provides a less expensive soy. The downside is that this soy is loaded with toxic pesticides. The plants also contain genes from bacteria that produce a protein that's never been seen in the human food supply. Um, and this is one of the main arguments with GM stuff. GM soy has been linked to increase in allergies and there was a human feeding study that I'll mention here on GM foods that verified that a gene inserted into GM soy transfers into the DNA of our gut bacteria and it continues to function there. This means even years after you stop eating GM soy, you may still have a potentially allergenic protein continuously being produced in your intestines. We know that soy is one of the top allergenic foods. That's why it has to be bold on a lot of the products that it's in. However, they still get around this and they're still hiding it. Um, you know, even more frightening probably is the potential for GM soy to cause infertility in future generations. And this has been, there's been evidence done on this um, on and off throughout the years. And there's some Russian research that you can look into. One of the main things about soy is that it's a phytoestrogen. So what it does is if you have empty puzzle pieces waiting for their um, beautiful matching puzzle piece to come in and join up. Soy pretends to be that puzzle piece and it goes in and it joins onto the receptor sites for estrogen. Meanwhile, all of your estrogen is running around, you know, doing its thing in the blood, but it doesn't have anywhere to join on. So this increases the likelihood of... Um, you know, high estrogen and, and in, our, in our girls and our women. Um, so whilst these soy phytoestrogens are covering this, the receptor site, we cannot bind proper estrogen, which means that our body cannot produce efficient hormones or um, a proper reproductive cycle in a nutshell. It makes it very difficult for you to stay fertile and could be impacting on the rate of infertility that we do have and that's a big argument with soy you can look into that further if you like so the risk i think of consuming unfermented soy products far outweighs any possible benefits and the main benefit is the protein so why they put it into all of these foods is to bump up the protein on your nutritional panel 
So when you look at your ingredients list, it's got a nice little chunk of protein because they've put a little bit of soy protein in the end there. And I want to stress, I say unfermented soy products because for centuries, Asian people have been consuming fermented soy, um, nato, tempeh, fermented soy sauce, and they enjoy health benefits. One of the big movements that's come about is fermented food. And soy can have these benefits as a fermented food for our gut because it you know um, gets all those beautiful bugs in it breaks down the anti-nutrients and all the nasty stuff that we don't want and makes it edible for us this is the same as wheat so if you think about sourdough versus you know white loaf of bread sourdough's gone through a fermentation process that's why it's kind of sour so the wheat has been um, fermented for a couple of days as a culture to start that bread again that denatures and deactivates all of those anti-nutrients and makes it a hell of a lot easier for your body to digest. And you know what? It makes it safe. I talked last time about the idea that we used to know what to do to foods to make them safe. We've lost that in our processing and our um, hands-off approach to our food. Fermented soy does not wreak havoc on your body like unfermented soy. As would maybe be the argument for fermented wheat versus unfermented wheat. So I'll give you some of the negatives. We know that soy contains toxins known as anti-nutrients. Now, these are in a lot of plant products. However, soy seems to have um, a huge amount. And when it's unfermented, these are quite volatile. So saponins, soy toxin, phytates, protease inhibitors, oxalates, goitrogens, estrogens, those phytoestrogens I talked about. And some of these factors interfere with the enzymes you need to digest proteins. Some fill those receptor sites. And... Uh, a small amount of anti-nutrients would not likely cause a problem because your body can deal with this. However, like I said, the amount of soy we're consuming is continually increasing. And if you, if you buy processed products, you will likely be having soy five, six, seven times a day. It's in everything. It's insidious. It's in so many different food products. It's really hard to avoid. I want you to read the bread that you have at home right now. Go and get it and read the back of your bread, read the ingredients and see if there is soy in it because if it's a bought bread, it's very likely to have soy. Um, I won't go into detail for all of those things. You can read the soy storybook um, if you want to know more about those nasty <laughs> soy things. Um, the other thing to just keep in mind is soy does have a lot of aluminium in it and that's something that we try to avoid with our natural deodorants. Um, there's been two things that I have uh, read about this. The fact that soy is kept in aluminium vats. There was a recall on um, the ever popular bond soy some years ago because of this, but I don't know the actual reason. And, and it could be the vats or it could be the soy itself. Um, they're, they're processed by acid washing in aluminium tanks. So this leaches into the final soy product and the soy formula... Uh, so aluminium and manganese are the two of the toxic um, things that you can get in, in soy from this process. And soy formula that we were recommending our barbers have um, 20, 30 years ago has up to 80 times higher manganese uh, than is found in human breast milk. So I think that's important to take note of. There is a huge argument um, that soy infant formula does put babies' health at risks. Uh, risk, sorry, because of the estrogens. Um, there was one study that showed us, or I just can't remember if it was a study or if it was from Kayla's book, but it 
it said that um, soy formula contained an estimated five birth control pills worth of estrogen every single day. So this was 20,000 times the amount of estrogen in circulation um, in those bubbers' bodies compared to when if they were fed another type of formula. That's huge. And we know that there's an issue with our girls having too much estrogen, being estrogen dominant and having issues like um, endometriosis because of this. So um, it's still used in Australia and sometimes there's no other choice, uh, you know, like in terms of what we're allowed to recommend, but it was very widely used 20 and 30 years ago. So that's the negative stuff. You guys can look into that further and make your own mind up. I don't see a reason to eat it at this stage. However, there is some good stuff. There's some good news. Let's look at fermented soy. The only soy that you want to be consuming, in my opinion, it needs to be properly fermented. After a long fermentation process, the phytate, the anti-nutrients, all of those nasty things I talked about, they're all reduced. And the beneficial properties of soy become available to your digestive system. So pretty much in Australia, you can only eat tempeh, miso, nato, or fermented soy sauce. Soy sauce was always traditionally fermented, but it's mostly made artificially using chemicals now. So unless it's fermented, just I just think you're better off avoiding it, to tell you the truth. So soy foods that aren't fermented are tofu, really common misconception that tofu is fermented. TVP, which is your texturized vegetable protein, soy protein isolate. This contains huge amounts of MSG as well. Uh, soybean oil, soy milk, soy cheese, soy ice cream, soy yogurt, soy meat, soy protein, and soy, soy infant formula. Sorry. So I think that the end point of this, which you're probably getting the picture of, <laughs> is to eliminate any soy that's not fermented in your diet and then to look at all of your processed foods. Get rid of them if you can. You know I'm going to tell you that every single time. But look at foods that don't have soy in them. Um, you can. It should be bold on the ingredients. So if you flip your stuff over, look at the ingredients list. Uh, they're required by law to list and bold soy on the label because it's one of the top eight food allergens. So even if it's hidden in colours, flavours, spice blends, it should be clearly stated. However, there is a loophole here because... One of the common sources of soy is lecithin, which is an emulsifier in many foods and supplements, and this will be a number, so you need to look out for the emulsifying numbers. Supplements are also um, well known to have soy bases, especially things like oil-based supplements like CoQ10. So this is, this is not labelled. It doesn't have to be labelled, so you need to call the manufacturer of your supplements or ask your amazing naturopath, herbalist or nutritionist and they can look into it for you as well. I really hope that answers your question about soy. I, you know, obviously have a, um, I wouldn't say bias, but I have an opinion about it. So it's really important that you guys go ahead and look, look at it yourself and make a decision that suits you. If you have any more questions on that or you want any more of those um, references or, or uh, books, um, if you want me to 
pop them down. Just let me know, ask me the questions and don't forget to head over to my uh, webpage www.mgherbs.com and check out all of the bits and pieces there. You can get more talks and stuff like that, more information and follow me on Facebook, MG Herbs and Instagram, MG Herbs Australia. Thanks so much for listening in and I will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.